Welcome to Becoming Soul, it's Entertainment Talks podcast for Better Call Soul on AMC and Netflix. I'm your host Matthew, joining me today, my co-host is David. How's it going? I'm doing very well, thanks. Good, good. Uh, so we're here for, well, an- another penultimate episode. We did one uh, yesterday, but this yes. is for Better Call Soul, penultimate episode, season 6, episode 12. We've got just one more episode left, which is uh, pretty wild. Um, it's called Waterworks. Or water works. <laughs> uh, what did you think of uh, this episode? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I really enjoyed it. Should point out as well that this appears to be the end, as well of of the Breaking Bad universe. I mean, because um, he's been doing interviews over yeah, the uh, yeah, over the last few days, uh, and he has basically said, "Well, you know, never say never." But as far as I'm concerned, this is it. You know, uh, he made some comments about, you know, you can't always gamble on Red 21, basically. You know, so, so, mm-hmm. so, so get get out while it's good, I think, is, is the idea. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll be sad to see this universe go, but I, there are only so many places you can go with it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I really... Um, rather like this episode we got to see kim back we got to see what happened to her sort of post everything going wrong with jimmy and uh you know we we saw the divorce and his attitude towards it and then we kind of saw what happened sort of post everything went down with breaking bad as well so they are tying all that stuff up together. Um, it's going to be an interesting one next week to see where he actually lands, because you know, we did, given where we ended up with him at the end of this episode. But um, yeah, I, I thought it, it covered quite a lot of stuff. You know, we needed to know what happened with Kim, and I think they've kind of covered that here. Presumably, we'll see a bit more of that next week. Uh, we got a bit more Aaron Paul this week as well, which was nice. Um, I said that they, I'm sure they're going to use them somewhere else. I do wonder whether they're going to show up in the finale as well. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, That's both great. of them. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, overall, really liked this episode. Thought it, it covered a lot of decent stuff. Cool. Uh, I thought this episode was awesome. Um, I was completely gripped from start to finish, and uh, you know, today I've been uh, knew, knew that I was going to be doing this podcast later. Been scraping walls and painting and things like that, and I've just been thinking, all right, going to go through this, and uh, just just really looking forward to to talking about this episode later. So uh, it's been a day, but I've been really excited to to talk about this episode because I I really really did enjoy this episode a lot. Um, it's amazing how it's amazing how good Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul can both be, even when they're not doing like big set piece type things. Because mm-hmm. most of what happens in like this episode, I mean, you've got a like small little, not really action set piece, but intense set piece. But most of this episode is conversations. Um, but it's what those conversations mean, where they push things, what they mean for the characters, uh, what those conversations result in. And I was sort of noticing that throughout, throughout this episode. is like, okay, the, the show isn't doing anything like... It's not being the typical, quote-unquote, exciting by doing, like, you know, big explosions or gun shootouts or chase scenes or anything like that. Um, but it's just... It's, it's the delivery, it's the writing. Because um, people have asked me a few times in the past, like, 
of my analysis of TV shows, like specifically TV shows, what really holds something up, and it I always emphasize the writing because mm-hmm. you can have situations. I'll just give a little example. I was talking to a friend about this the other day, and they were saying, "Oh, they were nervous about Pedro Pascal for Joel." And I said, why is that? And they said, because of what happened in Wonder Woman 84. And I said, but... I said, I get, I get why you're saying that. And of course, you've got the same actor. But you've got to look at the material that somebody is working with. And of course, in that situation, pretty much that, that entire film was bad. So yeah. um, when, when you come over to something like this, and you've got this type of episode, and you've already got good actors and actresses, and you've already got good directors, and you know, you've got a good, a good team... It's the writing, writing, writing at the end of the day. Um, and it doesn't even matter uh, the specific scenes of what you write, like the the actual actions of the episode. It's about, okay, what is your idea for the episode and how can, how can you execute that with good writing? Because um, you think like, you know, these writers have got to sit down and think, okay, we're going to write this for Gene. Does it make sense? Where does it push him? You've got to go through all those kind of things. And uh, so far they've like completely nailed everything. But... Um, I did kind of, uh, it's, it's interesting because um, at the moment my room is a bit emptier than what it was because obviously we've had to move stuff out so we can do the walls, all that kind of stuff. That's a, it's a long story that I'll talk about on a different podcast, but my room is a bit more echoey. And uh, Kim popped up on the screen and I sort of, <gasps> I, I let out a bit of a gasp when it was a bit, uh, bit echoey, so that was, uh, <laughs> that, that was funny. But um, I, I mean, I kind of, like I didn't expect the show to not show her at all, it's just like, Kim's just here. And I was like, wow, okay, that's, you know, it, it was just nice yeah. to see her again. It was because we, we, we love her and we care about her so much and Rhea Seahorn and everything. And by the way, my goodness, the acting from Rhea Seahorn in this episode is just, there's a particular scene that we're going to get to uh, that was, I, I saw it trending and stuff on Twitter today, uh, you know, with the Better Castle hashtags and stuff. Um, yeah, just... just just, just, just give this woman an Emmy, please. I mean, yes. not even just from this episode, but her whole run as Kim. She's just got better and better and better in this role. Um, and I look forward to seeing what she does, obviously, after the show wraps up. But no, I, I love this episode. I thought it was amazing. Um, so, yeah, and I've just been kind of thinking about the episode all day, really, So, <laughs> which is good. Um, what did you think of uh, Ray Seahorn's acting in this episode? Yeah, no, I mean, she, she has been phenomenal throughout. And... Um, she has had Emmy nominations before, I think. Um, oh, no, I mean an Emmy win. But but yes, she really deserves to actually pick up one. I don't know whether she's ever actually uh, taken one. She is um, She's nominated for Best Supporting Actress, I think, this year. And she really should win it this year. Yeah. I mean, you know, she, she's been nominated numerous times for various different things, for Critics' Choice Awards and SAG and all that sort of stuff. But um, very few wins, wins, unfortunately, at the moment. And But she really deserves it. I mean, uh, she was she was phenomenal this episode and has been throughout. Um, so much focus gets put on Bob Odenkirk. And, you know, she, she deserves some sort of recognition for this as well because she has been just brilliant throughout the entire thing so um yeah hopefully she gets something but yeah great this episode it was one of those things it's weird sort of suddenly see kim pop up in the gene sequences you know in the black and white and yeah yeah and and paying this kind of very muted version of the character as well mm. um 
really interesting to see her sort of there and you, we've got them sort of jumping backwards and forwards between timelines and things as well. Uh, just just phenomenal. Um, I mean, the whole cast has been great. As you say, the writing is outstanding on this series and has been from the, right from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, as right, it was across right from, right from the pilot episode of Breaking Bad, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been outstanding from Breaking Bad as well. I mean, just just right across the both shows, um, it, it, it's just been wonderful. And yeah, it it is one of the things. The writing is so vitally important because you can have a bunch of nobodies in the cast. I mean, which kind of this sort of was i mean you know we knew who bob Odenkirk was because of breaking bad and i know he had certain areas they had a sort of career, you know people knew him from one thing from maybe one or two things prior to this but they weren't like huge household names and they weren't names that they are now and same with rear seahorn you know being in a few things but but they weren't people that you knew particularly well um yeah and it's certainly. that writing that lifts them mm-hmm. you know to the point where they are phenomenally outstanding i mean without breaking birds um brian cranston would not have the career he's had you know because mm-hmm. he was some sitcom actor that they took a chance on essentially at that point you know i mean yeah. he was better known for malcolm in the middle as the dad that's mm-hmm. and playing a sort of goofy character in that and and I mean, he was the reason why I started watching Breaking Bad because that opening trail. I mean, I which was uh, which ran on TV over here, which was him standing there in his pants in the middle of the desert, and you were like, "What on earth is this? And why is the dad from Malcolm in the Middle in it? <laughs> this is really weird. I I need to go and look at this." Yeah, definitely. One thing I want to say as well, I could change my opinion about this next week. Depends on depending on what happens to Kim. But one of the only, one of the very few negative things we've said about Breaking Bad is it doesn't really do that well with its female characters. I feel like Kim, for, for the Breaking Bad universe, I feel like Kim is the sort of redemption for that. Yes. But if she dies in a stupid way or a horrible way next week, then I'll I'll reconsider that. But the the character work that they've done with her, I think, has redeemed. I think they've maybe learned from that a bit, or maybe it's got a slightly different writers team or something. But um, you know, maybe some different female writers and stuff. But uh, there's certainly a, a good way to redeem like, the, the female side of Breaking Bad because it is quite male centric. I mean, you look at some of the main characters like Gas and you know the main you know um, Aaron Paul and then you've uh, you know Jesse and you've got Waltz. Like they're all main male characters. You know, you've got uh, Soul and you've got Mike and you've got like everybody else. And there is um, there's pretty much three main notable char- female characters in Breaking Bad, which is Skylar, Marie. And uh, Jane, pretty much, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of Lydia, but yeah, I, I guess Lydia as well. Um, I think Lydia is in it for a, a short sort of time as well. But um, none of the, I don't feel like any of those characters got serviced as well as Kim has. Like she's no. had a she's had, she's been very like fleshed out as a character and everything. Um, so yeah, good stuff. Very very good stuff. 
Alright, uh, so our sponsor at the moment, of course, is Manscaped. You can go to Manscaped's website. You don't actually need to type it in or anything like that. There's a handy little link in your show notes. Uh, what do they do? They, of course, make men's grooming products, which you can use. It's still it's quite hot today, actually. Uh, it's still very hot, still nice and summery and everything like that. So if you want to get yourself cleaned up for summer, maybe you're going on a late holiday or something like that, whatever the occasion may be, uh, you can, of course, buy some of those products from Manscaped. If you click on the link in the show notes, that will take you over to there so you can have a look at what they've got, their prices and you judge for yourself what you want to get whether it's for yourself or somebody else whatever the occasion may be or both who knows what the occasion might be uh so what do they sell they sell different razors different shavers different ear and nose head trimmers um different uh sets of clothes as well and different sort of deodorants all that type of stuff in that specific category you can also get different sets of things as well so if you're looking for like a particular set of a uh, certain set of men's grooming products and that you can have a look at some of those as well they got the li- listed in handy little categories uh, in terms of the actual quality because of course they sent me some stuff to try out so i could tell you about it and get a first-hand experience of their equipment uh all very well made uh packaging and the actual products themselves really good stuff uh no sort of you know tacky second-hand stuff like that all very professional first-hand uh great quality you know f- from the packaging to the actual products themselves all really really good stuff so no worries on the quality fronts there uh so we've got the deal of course with manscaped once you select what you want to get from them and you end up in that checkout out, uh, you'll find a little promo code box if you click on that and type in eTalkUK, that's E-T-A-L-K-U-K, you can get 20% off your order and the nice free shipping as well with Manscaped. So eTalkUK, E-T-A-L-K-U-K, 20% off with Manscaped. And if you're wondering, you know, to scroll back in the podcast and find this, you don't need to do that either. The promo code is also written in the show notes. So you can simply copy and paste it, whatever you want to do, whichever works best for you. Uh, So thanks to Manscaped for sponsoring Entertainment Talks podcast. And of course, thank you very much for listening. Now let's do some housekeeping. Hi there. If you're looking to get started with a website of your own and a domain name, we've got good news for you. With our affiliate link with Kualu, you can click on that link, which is in your show notes, which is for our affiliate link. You can go over to Kualu to get started with your website and domain name today. They've also got a very handy chat support system, which is usually in the bottom right hand corner to send messages back and forth to Kualu if you'd like to ask them for help to get started with your domain name and website today. So that's Kualu and you can use them to get started with your website and domain name today. Thank you very much to Kualu for this affiliate link. Hi there, if you'd like to get rid of the ads in Entertainment Talks podcasts and listen to the ad-free versions of our episodes, we've got good news for you there as well. You can subscribe to Entertainment Talk at either the $5 level tier or $10 level tier. The $5 level tier will get you access to all of Entertainment Talk's previous ad-free podcasts and the future ad-free podcasts that we make in the month that you're subscribed for. If you also subscribe to us at the $10 level tier, that will get you that benefit that I've just mentioned. And it'll also grant you access to request a review for two episodes of a TV show and a general discussion on that show. Or a film review of your choice so if you if there's a tv show out there or a film that we've not covered perhaps and you'd like our opinion on it we can watch two episodes of that tv show or film review so it's one of either of those per month of course if you continue subscribing each month you can pick a tv show then a film the next month and so on and so forth this is a great way to support entertainment talk get your ad-free podcasts and also get some reviews of your choice thank you very much for supporting us and thank you for listening back to the show 
Alright, so as of yesterday, we put out a couple of episodes. Uh, put out a little sort of update episode for our House of the Dragon and Tales of the Walking Dead podcast. Uh, both actually brand new shows. They're sort of spin-offs of other shows, but still, uh, you know, season one shows. Uh, I put out a little podcast just describe, just uh, discussing what me and David are going to be doing. We had a little conversation after our Westworld podcast and we sorted out what we we're going to be doing. So you can find out all about that in there. I put that in the Walking Dead and the old Game of Thrones feeds as well and you can of course find that on the website so see what we're up to with that because those shows start in a couple of weeks so look out for all of that uh westworld speaking of that that's a podcast we did yesterday me and david that's up to season four episode seven the season finale is next week so both of these shows uh this uh better call soul and westworld end next week we will i believe have planned not next week the week after to do a series wrap up because it will be the end of better call soul but it won't be the world of the end of westworld yet um, but that's that's the season finale, so we'll just do the normal season finale for Westworld, and then the week after the series finale for Better Call Saul, we usually do uh, series wrap-ups when shows actually finish, so you can probably expect that the week after the finale. But yep, season 4, episode 7 for Westworld, and that concludes next week with episode 8. Over on the Gaming Talk podcast this week, uh, Sony and Microsoft disagreed on Call of Duty and the value of it and, you know, exclusivity and all those kind of discussions and uh, sales talk of of, of all that kind of stuff. Um, Kind of in a way of Microsoft trying to appease or please people that are keeping an eye on, you know, government people and all that sort of stuff because they're spending a lot of money buying Activision Blizzard. They're, They're, of course, the company that owns Call of Duty. But Microsoft is buying Activision Blizzard for a couple of quid, you might say. <laughs> uh, so there's been there's been some eyes on it, so they're trying to downplay a little bit the importance of Call of Duty. So I had a lot to say about that. We also talked about a fun story involving Red Dead Redemption Online. Some uh, people that do some work and stuff had had their like online meetings in Red Dead Redemption, which was quite cool. Apparently Zoom wasn't working for them. There's a whole fun story about that, and they were talking about that, and how they sort of sit around a campfire discussing business stuff, uh, which I thought was quite fun. So we talked about all that. Premier League is back. Uh, 2-1 to Brighton. The weekend just gone. Uh, Man United lost 2-1 to Brighton for various different reasons. Uh, We have our next game, which is not tomorrow. It's on Saturday, half past five, against Brentford, which is, of course, Christian Eriksen's old club, because he now plays for us, which is good, because I like him. Uh, So that's that. So for 2-1, Brighton score, you can go and listen to me talking about all of that. And then, of course, probably have a United podcast on Saturday night talking about whatever happens against Brentford, because you never know with football. Um, so we got all that going on. Did another list recently. This is for top five best YA young adult uh, TV shows. So taking a taking a list or a selection of shows that has lead characters specifically in a certain age bracket. Uh, certain shows are disqualified because of older characters and things like that because it's supposed to be young adult characters. So you can see what made my top five with all of that. So that was good to do as well. Um, did a skip rating review for Halo Season 1, that's a spoiler free review which debuted our new sort of hard skip rating, it's basically a skip but written in capital letters, uh, which I really didn't, didn't like the show, unfortunately you can go and watch it of course on Paramount Plus in the UK and the US, but that's for Halo Season 1 which gets a hard skip rating. Also did a podcast recently called The Rise of Women's Football following on from the England's women's team winning the uh, 2022 Euros which is great, historic and all that sort of stuff, ended England's Trophy drought, which was, you know, quite a long time. Uh, so that was good. Also talked about the, the the rise in sort of people taking notice of women's football, the conversation around women's football, and also talking about um, FIFA 23 this year having a woman on the cover for the first ever time. So the rise in general of women's football, 
which is really, really good. So you've got all that stuff going on. That is what we've been doing recently on entertainmenttalk.org. You can find us as well on your favourite podcast platform. So, 612 Waterworks. Uh, two Better Call Soul characters took very different paths in this week's penultimate episode. One finally came clean and one decided to get even dirtier. We open with Sol Goodman tossing a ball around his office while um, a full lobby of clients impatiently wait for him. Uh, he's clearly avoiding something and we learn what when he glances down at a stack of documents. It's divorce papers from Kim. Uh, he finally calls Francesca and tells, uh, says, uh, send her in. Uh, and with that, we cut away to Kim's post-life as a brunette worker um, at a Florida sprinkler company. Uh, yeah, it's interesting in this episode, um, you kind of see, like with these, um, the Soul Goodman scenes, right, because you've got Gene scenes as well, this is really like the era of, because in, in this, the specific scenes in this episode, he's like quite an arsehole to everyone, like the way he's talking to people, the way he's talking to Francesca, and especially when Kim, you know, arrives later and it's just sort of, everything's matter of fact, everything's like, yep, this is this, goodbye, see you later type thing. Um, and like, because Francesca's talking to him about like, hey, can you stop bouncing that ball on the wall and everything? And he, I think he says something like, hey, it's called thinking, you should try it. And it's like, all these little jabs he's taken, yeah. like yeah, how, um, well, say confident, you know, egotistical, over- overconfident he is and everything like that. Um, really kind of, kind of emphasising this very particular era of uh Sol goodman time um but no we'll talk about kim like properly in the next part because that's where she's um making potato salad and that sort of stuff what do you think of the opening here yeah um it, it's sort of interesting i it's you know what you mean about yeah he's kind of the arsehole version of soul but uh you know not really caring about anything but himself at this point um you know that that is the version that we've got to and he's kind of hurt to a certain extent as well and he's just being a dick to everybody at this point and it sort of informs that version of soul that we ended up meeting in breaking bad as well you know he's like got to a point of like well i don't need anybody um you know she's left i'm doing perfectly fine screw everything you know that it's that sort of version that we've got to Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, it's sort of interesting how he ends up reacting to the sort of kim stuff if if that's the route he goes down and we've sort of seen him do that kind of thing before as well so it sort of it does fit in with the character um as well so Mm. yeah i kind of like that and then the sort of cut to to Kim sort of post Sol and into kind of Jean's world, I thought was was sort of interesting as well. So uh, yeah, oh, really good opening, interesting start, you know. And I'm glad we're not doing like just everything in Jean. We're sort of cutting backwards and forwards at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, by the way, the structure of this episode I thought was great, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're doing timeline related. Um, cuts to to different scenes, and you've got like you know the color scene, the black and white scene, um, which is uh, pretty good. So good stuff. Uh, so Kim, which is she's finally back, uh, which is awesome and looking very different. Uh, she's making a potato salad for her suburban for a suburban barbecue, 
Um, then she has, <laughs> so say, underwhelming sex. That's one way to put it. With <laughs> her um, underwhelming boyfriend before they watch uh, the amazing race. At work, she makes photocopies and does a quality check on sprinklers um, on the factory floor. It's all pretty glum and boring until a Victor St. Clair calls for her, which we will connect to that in a minute. Yeah, this sex scene nearly made me laugh. Um, yeah. It was like, because you, you can hear them starting, right, Like as as the camera's panning. The, the, the specific part that made me laugh was the way he's going, yeah, <laughs> like... Like that that's not usually how you uh how you do that. Um or or the with the, the specific tone or frequency that he's saying that. That's more the way he was saying yeah is like like you know when you're making a point on this podcast or something or you know, and I'm going, Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That's kinda how he was saying it and it was uh yeah, it was pretty funny. So um but it, it's to drive a it's to drive a point home about like how kind of mundane her life is and how sort of boring it is and some some people live lives like this and they're happy and all that sort of stuff but it's not for everybody of course it is not for kim that's that's the whole point here it's not for for kim like this guy i don't know if he gets given a, a name but he's clearly fine with this i mean he's married to kim should be happy of course uh which is, which is good for him but like he's happy with this life and you know people do have those discussions about like hey should we use this is not quite mayonnaise or you know what should we do or whatever uh, that's that's a normal conversation, but um, I think what particularly drives this point home a bit as well is it's black and white, like the colours like not there because cause black and white, so it's all a bit like gloomy and everything, and you know her expressions and things, and it it just uh, they they did a good job with they did a good job straight away showing like okay this is Kim, and this is what she's doing, and we're gonna tell you where she's at in this particular point. Like she's got a bit, a bit of different hair, apparently brunette as well which is interesting, um, and just show you, like, okay, she's with this guy, and this is how she's she's living at the moment, so, uh, and then, yeah, the Victor St. Clair stuff is interesting, we'll talk about the phone call in the next part, uh, what do you think of this scene? Yeah, it it's very much setting up this kind of, you know, life that she kind of wanted, I mean, you know, she, she, was, she was aware that if she stuck with Sol, or Jimmy, or Gene, <laughs> we should take you back. Uh, but if she stuck with Jimmy, she was basically going to end up on a very bad path. And and I think as sort of Soul Jimmy kind of proved that because had she still been there, she would have got roped into all that stuff that went on. Um, and she chose this dull, boring life. And you know, whilst. It's interesting the way it's played as well because she doesn't play it as being boring. She just played it. It's just being played as this is what my life is, you know. I, and she doesn't seem to particularly hate it. It's just her doing the stuff that she's doing. There's no sort of kind of, oh, I'm sick of this. I want to get out. You know, she's. There's this whole conversation about her using. Um, miracle whip in the uh the the potato salad and then like she makes sandwiches with it later on and that's this sort of weird spark of excitement that she's done something slightly different but she seems perfectly okay with that this is the life she chose this is the life she wants you know that's Mm. she doesn't want to ruffle anything she just wants to get on with things and that's it you know so 
from the outside, yeah, it looks kind of glum and boring. But the way it's being portrayed, she's like, okay, you know, this is this is fine. You know, this is all okay. I'm just, you know, it's a life. I'm fine. You know, mm. um, not sort of, oh god, I wish I'd never left, or you know, there's none of that in here. Mm. I think one of the points there as well that you kind of made, like some people do have conversations about you know like food enthusiasts and things like that about like hey no you should use this instead of this in 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 this bit of food or or whatever um and she's like trying to be excited by that but we know that that's not kim so it it's that's kind of like pushing that point home as well um because you've got like you know tv competition shows where people are making food and it's like oh no this was a bit crispy or this was this or that or whatever mm-hmm. that's where that whole competition thing comes from and you've got like British Bake Off and you know all the other shows that you've got. So there are people out there that are like that, but again, it's just not Kim. Um, but like you said, her trying to kind of find a bit of excitement and like as like spark a debate about whether she should have used that or something else. Um, again, people do do that, just not usually Kim. So yeah, um, so uh, <laughs> interesting stuff, uh, which is good. Um, and then uh, so yeah, until uh, Victor Saint Clair calls for her uh it's jean so this is uh connecting the phone call from was it last week's episode the one before that yes yeah one, one, of, the, one of those two we've had two uh jean episodes back to back or three now i suppose it's jean and we see her side of uh his phone call from last week he tries to make small talk and ask how florida is but kim stops him what do you want he just wants to catch up he says uh since it's been six years now i'm assuming six years since that breakup night is the, is the timeline here he wanted to let her know that he's still out there uh he's still out here uh still getting away with it you know, he even brags about out, outsmarting the feds we'll see how that works out for eugene uh when he uh presses her to speak she uh tells him uh to turn himself in i don't know what kind of life you've been living but it can't be much he snaps at her telling her to turn herself in and uh yelling at her until he softens saying uh saying her name several times so kim um she finally uh tells him i'm glad you're alive before hanging up and uh, heading to a co-worker's birthday celebration somebody comes in the room afterwards and say hey you ready for the birthday celebrations yes yeah yeah so uh that's how that scene ends um really good stuff here it was good to I I wondered because you could tell the way they were setting this up about oh it's a so-and-so person and, and the phone call right I wondered if they were going to do... Because what I thought they were going to do, actually, because they set us the scene up in a certain way, you got a similar bit of framing, a bit of camera work, where you're, the camera's focused on something else, so this other co-worker in the other office, because uh, with the Gene stuff, it was the cars going past. That's what that's what was in the forefront of the shot. And you got Kim in the background. She's closing the curtains, like, locking her door and everything. And I thought, oh, they're going to do the same thing here... Um, to kind of give you a confirmation that that w- the phone call was for her and that he did get through to her, but you still don't know the conversation. But they decided to push it forward a bit more. I mean, you've only got one episode left, so um, I didn't know when they would have revealed that, but that's what I thought they were doing initially because they, mm-hmm. they they had kind of set it up similar to what they did uh, last week or the week before. Um, yeah, it's an interesting conversation. It, did you do wonder sort of after that breakup night? After some time has clearly passed, and you know all of pretty pretty much all of Breaking Bad, uh, I mean apart from a few little meetings they apparently had, um, 
what you know how when you have something like that happen to you what do you say to people after after what time like what is their conversation going to be and i thought it was uh it was to be expected as to what it is um i thought and i uh yeah thought it was played really well here uh what do you think of this scene yeah it's it's interesting to see the other side of that conversation and everything that sort of went on um and he's kind of you know she, she this shows the different paths that they went on very much because he's sort of bragging about hey i got away with it you know still on the run for the feds yay you know all this sort of stuff and he's trying to be kind of upbeat about it and she's clearly in a very different place and just you know wants to leave all that behind and doesn't want to deal with any of it you know until of course she has this conversation and it sparks something but she's sort of you know run away to florida is living a life it's not the most interesting life in the world but she's perfectly okay with that it's fine she's not having to deal with any of the fallout from everything that went on i mean you know it was i imagine incredibly traumatic i mean they have they had the the conversation a few weeks ago where they were both sat on the bed where he's he's sort of saying you know one day we'll wake up and you realize you won't have thought about it so it's something that was obviously going to be playing on their mind because they just saw a man get shot dead in front of them and it weren't directly responsible but it was partly their fault so you know i mean it, it's sort of interesting that she's obviously feeling guilty about this and that's what drives her to do what she does next but she keeps you know he he's still playing games and she's like not at this point you know she's reverting back to the kind of more serious person that she was when now she's out of Jimmy's orbit you know um so yeah it, i thought this was kind of this was a really kind of interesting conversation that you know the person that she's not the person that she was when she was with him and you know she seems to prefer that version of herself you know mm, definitely so yeah really good stuff um but jean's phone call sparked something in kim and she flies back to albuquerque stop Albuquerque rather uh, stopping by her old courthouse where she sees a young lawyer helping prepare her client uh, like she used to um, before paying a visit to Howard's widow uh, Cheryl Kim uh, presents her with a full written confession everything is on here uh, to pranking Howard with Jimmy to framing him as a drug drug addict to being there when Lalo shot him to knowing his death was uh, staged as a suicide Uh, Kim tells the devastated Cheryl that Howard was simply in the wrong place at the wrong time uh, she tries to say that uh, he didn't suffer, but Cheryl scoffs at that since his reputation was completely ruined, which is true. Um, I want to change that, Kim says. Cheryl asks her why she's doing this, and we don't and we don't really hear uh, Kim's answer. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's also a bit in here where Cheryl says, like, I could ruin you or whatever, but then she yeah. d- sort of decides not to. So I guess it's kind of clearing that up. Um we need to we need to talk about the sobbing scene separately because that's like a whole other thing. So we'll uh, stop here for a minute. Um, yeah, it's like we've kind of discussed before with 
side kind of characters. Um, I mean, obviously Cheryl played an important role in in the main character's life with Howard, but we didn't really see Cheryl that much. It was all Howard stuff. Um, these shows again continuing to be good at going back to these like side sort of characters and like clearing things up and. Um, for me, that this wasn't something where I was thinking like, oh, I need to go back to Cheryl and, you know, clear things up. But even when the scene plays itself out, and you know, you kind of you, you see what sort of happens here. So yeah, it makes sense to do this. And Cheryl was important in Howard's life, and to clear up what happened as well. Um, again, this wasn't a scene that sort of had to happen, but once it does, and you understand why it's in here, and it makes sense to sort of put it in. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was a good sort of. Well, I don't know if clearing of the air is the right way to put it, but sort of like, hey, you, you can clearly see, like, you know, Kim's guilt is eating at her, and this is her way of kind of trying to just put everything on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was uh, thought it was a great scene. The, the next one's a lot more impactful and is a kind of a payoff of a build-up from this scene. Uh, but what did you think of the Cheryl scene here? Yeah, there there is a there's a certain parallel a little bit with breaking bad with with this as well because um you you had the side characters that were sort of introduced you know fairly early on and and say so she wasn't really much of anything I mean, we didn't really see an awful lot of her you know and now she's kind of come back here but you there was a certain amount of of that in breaking bad with the sort of Elliot and Gretchen stuff mm, where yeah you had those which were the sort of they were side characters and then they kind of disappeared and then they were brought back in at the very end um so there is a certain sort of mirroring of of that to a certain extent extent although handled rather differently um so this yeah i so i i i rather and i rather like this this sort of scene you know because she's the and clearly wants to you know he's like well at the end of the day what exactly is she giving up you know maybe she's it's not a bad life she's living where she is it's not the most interesting life but equally it's it's not a huge amount to give up i guess to lose so uh, to clear her conscience you know because it's like when um Cheryl was kind of saying I could take you for everything. You're kind of looking at it thinking everything of what though? I mean, it's not like she's got huge amounts of lawyer money. We find out later that she didn't uh, you know, take the sandpiper money either. So she's not sitting on loads and loads of cash or anything. She yeah. has a little house somewhere in Florida. She works at the sprinkler company. It's not like you yeah, I mean you could you could take the house off and maybe you could maybe take a car but I mean what else take so um, Mm. just the fact that she's kind of gone back and come clean and at this point it's it's her I mean arguably she is doing it for herself but also Cheryl kind of did deserve, deserve to know the truth I don't know whether it's actually done any done good or harm to tell her the truth at that point. Um, particularly if Kim doesn't get prosecuted for it, it's like, well, we did all this bad stuff to Howard and got away with it scot-free because there's no evidence of any of it. 
So and all the people involved are dead, apart from her and Jimmy, and nobody at the moment knows where Jimmy is. So, yeah, um, I, I, I'm sort of intrigued to see where that ends up, and you do kind of think that maybe she's going to end up getting away with this. I mean, you know, now they, now the courts know everything. Is she going to? Sorry. Yeah, I I wonder if um, because like I said, Kim doesn't have a lot like assets and things like that, but she does have her freedom, and I wonder if like the guilt of everything that's happened is making her feel guilty for because like she's alive and free basically to do what she wants. Howard isn't Howard's you know dead and uh, buried and all that sort of stuff, um, and she feels guilty maybe about that, and it's sort of like you can sort of take my freedom because if if i end up going to prison or whatever she doesn't have that freedom anymore possibly mm-hmm. so well yeah i mean she I, at the end of the day it's her clearing her conscience yeah you know uh, of like or her trying to sort of get the truth out and then face the consequences for what they did hmm. and maybe that will inspire her to do something else after that but I don't know. I mean, it's it, I. I can I can sort of see with where her mind was at at the time. Of going, well, there's not you know, it's not like you know she has a boyfriend, but it's not like they're living together or anything. If she goes to prison, she goes to prison, and maybe that's just what she's thinking. It's what I deserve at this point. Yeah, possibly. Uh, and then. Possibly the best scene in the episode. Um, but once she's back on the airport tram, she fights back tears until she finally explodes in loud, ugly sobs. Uh, once she can no longer hold back. Um, yeah, this is a like highlight moment of television for the year, I think. Um, like the the because I I rerun this scene a couple of times to really kind of take it in and everything, and then I saw it like you know th- today on Twitter. And stuff, and people were people saying about you know Ray Seal and stuff. Somebody made a joke about the scene as well, um, which I thought was a, a, kind of an interesting one. They said, "No, that's not Ray Seal um, acting. That is because that's like uh, they said, you know, real footage or whatever." She's on her way back home after finding out the end of uh, Better Call Saul, um, <laughs> like after she finds out what happens to Kim. So yeah, that was kind of funny. But um, no, th- this scene's like. Like, like this is when you talk like Emmy nominations and things like that. Like these, these are the these are the scenes that you sort of because they have to submit episodes and scenes, don't they, for Emmys? I, I think yes, that's how it works. Yeah. Um, is it specific scenes or just episodes? I think it's episodes they submit usually. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't know because it wouldn't have been this scene that was this episode that was submitted for an Emmy, would it? Because this this came out afterwards. Um, so I don't know what that what one that was for. We'll probably find out later. But um, like, if you look at all of Better Call Saul, I think this is the one that you choose. I mean, the the acting here is just phenomenal. It it, it truly truly is. Um, yeah, and again, this is a very simple scene. Like, there's no action, no chase scenes, no fight scenes, no no, no sort of no, no superhero powers, um, no sort of like uh, what you know, whatever. None of this sort of like big set piece type of stuff. This is just a character that we know and love um, on a tram, shot in black and white. So it's not even got like you know 
visual color towards it. I mean, there's a certain visual aspect that you get from black and white stuff, but mm-hmm. and it's there's no there's no talking, there's no conversations, there's no dialogue. It's just her. It's just you watching her have this release from everything that's gone on, and it, it, it's just truly incredible. So, uh, what did you think of this scene? Yeah, I, it was a phenomenal piece of acting by uh, Rhea, and and um, yeah, I mean, it, it takes a lot to be able to ugly cry in that way, like that. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine. Really takes a lot to do it. Um, it's it's really really wonderful, um, and uh, just just so well done. Like I say, it's a very simple scene. It really it has way more impact than really should um purely by her acting and that's a sign of of it being great you know yeah yeah and i i don't know if this is true but i read something yesterday apparently she did that on the second take i'm not sure how true that is but that was just something i fleetingly sort of read yesterday i I believe that but i don't know if that's actually true yeah um would you would you believe that if that was if that was the case yeah yeah quite possibly cool so, uh, yeah, brilliant scene. It's very short, sweet, and you know exactly what it's what it's doing. So, uh, but we cut back to Jean at the cancer victim's house. So, cutting back to the end of last week's episode when he broke in, he breaks inside, and the guy is passed out asleep on the floor. Uh, Jean takes photos of all the stuff like before passwords, all that sort of stuff. Um, something under his uh, desk lamp, and he starts uh, to walk. Um, to walk back out where Jeff is waiting in his cab but then he stops and heads upstairs he pours himself a drink and helps himself to a couple of the other guys price he watches he's got these on like rotating platforms and stuff it's yeah cool so uh does all that and just as a cop car uh pulls up behind Jeff when Gene checks on the uh victim he's gone we sort of there is a little shot actually I think it's as Gene is going upstairs or as he's doing something and there's a bit of a shot of him sort of mo- wiggling, sort of moving a bit, and yeah. you get you get the sense of like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna get up. So, um, so yeah, uh, goes to he's gone. Uh, Gene hides as the guy stumbles back inside and uh, slumps uh, on the on the stairs. So at the bottom of the stairs, Gene's at the top, and Gene is ready to smash the guy over the head with a jar of his dead dog's ashes uh but then just as the guy passes out again he sort of drops his phone and slumps forward uh gene quietly slips past him but when he sees the cop car and uh parked behind jeff he freezes jeff takes care of it though uh, he puts his car um car in sorry his cab in drive and lurches forward swerving into a parked car and drawing the cop's attention so gene can sneak away undetected um we as we as we'd gone through our two seasons of Breaking Bad, and we'd said like, "Hey, on the week to week episodes, we'll look for like, okay, when is it that Walter White sort of breaks bad? Uh, like, is there one moment? Is it a build up up of moments? Like, how is that kind of working? Obviously, we've still got seasons three, four, and five to do. Um, and I, I was sort of looking at the scene with the dead dogs, ashes, and stuff. And although this guy doesn't mean anything to to Gene, like he's just a, he's just another person to take information off of, right? Like mm-hmm. in the whole montage of people that he has before. But there's there's kind of morality to things. Um, there's something even worse he possibly does later, which I guess this is kind of a tester and a build up to to to, to that in a, in a way. 
Because I'm kind of looking at the two scenes, the one from later, which we'll get to in this scene. Because he's then attacking somebody, and it's also like... I mean, obviously, Gene doesn't care about this, this you know, the dog's ashes and things like that. Like, he doesn't know... He doesn't know who this guy is. He doesn't know the dog. You know, there's there's no sentiment yes. from Gene. But um, if Gene's thinking about this guy, like, if he smacks him over the head and then he's probably passed out or whatever wakes up and sees what he's been hit with there's going to be like emotional stuff there um so there's that going with it so i was kind of wondering like you know what what was sort of going through gene's mind and thinking okay from here on out is there gonna be is like because soul kind of you know was the had the breaking bad thing going on as well but is there going to be a moment for gene where it sort of breaks bad um, not that this would have necessarily been it, but it was giving a bit of a hint as towards like, okay, how how far is Gene sort of willing to go? Because he has he hadn't attacked anyone before this. Um, he it was him doing scheming and messing about with people. But this is like him smacking somebody over the head, and there's like th- there's differences with it, you know, as opposed to so you know taking photos of people's information identity is still wrong, and he's doing it for his own thing. But he wasn't attacking people. And now he tries to. He doesn't end up doing it because of a change in, in the circumstance. Um, what was you kind of thinking of Gene in the, in these scenes? Yeah, the fact that out of all the objects in that room, the thing that he picks up is the dog's ashes. is just... And the fact that Gene has no thought about that, about the consequences of, you know... Um, I mean... As you say, if if the guy if you had smacked the guy over the head with that, and then the guy got knocked out and woke up and found not only had he been robbed, he'd been smacked over the head with the ashes of his dead dog. I mean that that's really no thought at all on of sort of consequences for uh, on on Gene's part, really. You know, um, so yeah, it's a pretty horrible thing to do. I mean, but it's the 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 entire thing didn't need to happen i mean even he got in and got out perfect i mean he was at the door and got all the information and needed to just go in and leave and then he go and then he makes this decision to get greedy and go back and pours himself a drink and steal some watches and actually robs the house because had he gone and done what he'd been telling the other guys to do which is the entire point of this was to sneak in and sneak out so nobody's any the wiser. And then he goes and robs the guy. Um, so this entire thing and you know, where we end up, the fact that he's kind of got caught and the fact that, you know, um, even the, the, the fact that Jeff crashes the car, all of that is Gene's fault. Because had Gene walked out the door when he reached the door, he would have got in the car. Jeff would have driven off. Everything would have been fine. Um, but Jeff freaks out because he sees the police and that kind of scares him. And then and he sticks his foot on the gas when he shouldn't and goes and crashes the car, which does give Gene time to escape. But that then snowballs into a bunch of other things, which we get to later on in the episode. And uh, which, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's... But everything that happened there is entirely the fault of, the fault of Gene and entirely unnecessary. You know, they could have ripped off that guy like they'd done with everybody else and left. And Gene made a choice. 
to do the wrong thing and decided he was somehow untouchable and it was perfectly all right to go and rip the guy off by actually robbing him and the guy would have obviously would have seen that and that wasn't what they were doing he sort of broke his own rules so Hmm. yeah it's it's a really interesting set of like scenes that and what he's going through his head at the time just that he's mad at Kim because I mean the other thing is he doesn't really need any of this stuff it's not like he can go and spend a huge amount of money because he'll get noticed yep yeah so none of this is actually necessary he's doing it for the fun of doing it because he kind of bored and wants back in the game mm. you know yeah. and because he cut ties he cut ties he walked away he'd left everything you know he he was living this yeah fairly humdrum life but i think it's the thing that really sticks him is the fact that when he's talking to kim she makes that remark about i don't know what life you've been living but it can't have been much i think that's the thing that really sticks with him and you know, drives him back. Hmm. So, yeah, it's uh, it's the whole sort of kind of reminds me of um, if you ever seen the movie Back to the Future, the the Martin McFly thing of uh-huh. uh, he crashes he crashes his car because somebody else he somebody calls him uh, to calls him out for being too chicken to race the cars, and and he nearly crashes his car. Um, uh, and uh, and it's that goading that I don't think Kim did intentionally, but that stuck with Jimmy, and that's that's like this. I'm I can do anything I like. That sort of attitude, mm-hmm. uh, and he's now probably going to get caught for it. Well, we'll see next episode, but yes. Yeah, yeah, because this leads to Jeff and then Marianne later, and like I said, has a has a snowball effect. So, mm-hmm. uh, back in Sol Goodman's timeline, uh, so the color scenes, uh, a still blonde Kim uh, signs divorce papers in his office while Sol ignores her, mucking about on his phone, doing whatever. Uh, he asks her why she moved to Florida, but when she starts to answer, he cuts her off. It doesn't matter. He teases her for not taking her share of the Sandpiper settlement when she finishes up and uh, he brushes her off, dismissively telling her, have a nice life, Kim. Just so matter of fact. Um, when she walks into a crowded lobby and Sol's next appointment is Emilio, uh, Jesse's former meth buddy, which uh, Walt and Jesse did something to in uh, in Breaking Bad. <laughs> so, yes. yeah. Um. The, watching this scene made me kind of pissed off at Sol. I mean, it, which it's supposed to do, because you're you're supposed to look at this scene and see like, oh, this is this is the full on asshole Sol Goodman of like, he doesn't really care. He's mucking about. Like he's got someone in front of him that used to mean a lot to him. Um, yeah. And Francesca, Francesca means something to him, but in a completely different way. But this is Kim. This is the woman he'd like. You know, lived lived a life with basically, and then messed it up because of you know the whole scam and everything else that happened. 
So for him to, I mean, the bit that kind of got me as well in here is like, I mean, fair enough. If he, even if he is on his phone, which could have been doing whatever, he's a businessman, isn't he? So, um, even the small talk was a nice touch of like, oh, I'm gonna at least like chat to you about a little bit of something, just so it's not you know dead silent and it's not all you know completely doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. And then just cutting her off of like, it doesn't matter. Um, like she starts to politely really try to explain herself, or, like start talking, and yeah. you can tell he just doesn't care. He just really doesn't care. Um, so again, he doesn't do anything like morally wrong or, or, or specifically awful. Like he doesn't attack or hurt anybody. Because that's that's something that Vince and Peter want you to look at throughout Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Is like okay, the things that characters are doing in our shows, what levels of wrong are they? You know, is it white area? Mm-hmm. Uh, black area or is it gray area sort of stuff where you're doing things wrong but it's not like completely your fault or you know wherever those things land into that hypothetical sort of uh scale so again here he's not like he's not doing anything illegal or wrong or anything like that he's signing divorce papers which is a perfectly normal thing to do he's just being an ass about it and it just it, it it's showing you the personality of him and you know where things have kind of gone and how he, how he sees Kim now at this point um which i think is uh really interesting cuz not a lot sort of happens with Kim here it's more it's more just like Soul's reaction to her and you know how he's yeah. speaking to her and stuff so uh what do you think of this uh the scene here yeah it's a sort of it is an interesting one the way Soul that ends up reacting to her i mean you got to bear in mind that she was the one that left him and she was the one that made that decision and mm-hmm. you know we don't know exactly how much has gone on but there's obviously a few i would think a few months at least between um the divorce being papers being drawn up and signed and them actually getting divorced there's there's got to at least been a few months between that and when we saw them in the flat to, on the apartment together so um and we know the sandpiper settlement has come through as well so you mm-hmm. know that that sort of says it's probably three six months or something in between um so yeah you're you've got i sort of understand him walling himself up to say i I mean, it comes across as very harsh, but I also sort of see that he's really pissed at her, understandably to a certain extent, because he doesn't entirely understand the reason why. He can't comprehend the reason why she walked away. I mean, she did it for... Yeah, it doesn't make sense to him, because he thought they had a good thing, and... But it makes perfect sense to her of, and I think to the viewer, it makes sense of like, you know, mm-hmm. she's realized that if we carry on like this, it's going to, and of course she was right, you know, because we saw what happened throughout Breaking Bad. So, yeah, I mean, she takes this decision to walk away and he's mad at her for it and treats her like he's a complete arsehole about it and I, I whilst i sort of understand why it, it does make sense you know for him to be in that place uh, i don't agree with it but it does make sense that he that's why he's acting in the way that he's acting yeah uh, yeah 
So it's him kind of blocking yeah. his emotions and stuff. So yeah, it's him blocking his emotions and and not getting like you know, mm. um, not that's, wanting that's to get the to whole Saul Goodman thing, isn't it? Oh, <coughs> like, yeah, it's just the business guy, you know. Um, yeah, the whole just better console emotions thing. Emotions shouldn't come into it. Yeah, emotion doesn't come into it. It's just what can I do to make you know how can I make this work for me? You mm. know. What's fascinating here about the character development as well is you like if you play the two scenes I'm about to mention back to back, it will probably be quite interesting. So if you go to the end of whatever episode it was where they break up and he's like surprised and he's shocked and he's like oh my, you know, he's so surprised and everything, and then cut to this scene where he's just so relaxed. And he's like, yeah, you can just go, you know. Oh, are you telling me about Florida? Nah, it doesn't really matter. All, all, all this sort of stuff, um, and the differences there, I think, are really uh, yeah, quite interesting. So. Uh, but after this, uh, Kim walks outside where it's raining heavily and lights a cigarette. And a guy standing outside asks her, uh, asks her for one. It's Jesse. Um, he recognizes her as the lawyer who defended his pal Combo in uh, Juvie. I think it's Juvie Court, isn't it? And asks um, if Sol is any good. Uh, since Emilio picked him just based on uh, his funny commercials, uh, when I knew him. And, and then Kim says, uh, when I knew him, he was. Uh, Kim tells him before finishing a cigarette and walking out into the rain. Uh, this is a really good scene. Um, yeah. It's good to see Jesse again. It fits in here perfectly. You know, it's it's about his because remember he's got those friends that he had, um, which not all of them quite sort of made it through, but some of them did. <laughs> so uh, it's more about you know connect, connect, connecting the dots here with the whole you know the the local people are going to know about you know Sol Goodman and the whole Better Call Saul advert and everything. So it makes sense that this lines up. They're all involved in the crown world. So that would add that all up together. Which is interesting. Um, an interesting point here is. So this is Jesse like connecting with the soul world. Right. Um, with, with soul's world rather. The, the criminal the criminal lawyer part. Which he emphasizes yes. with Walter. Like no we don't need a lawyer. We need a criminal lawyer. One that's one that's like us. That, but that, yeah. that's a lawyer who can help us. Um, but Kim's name specifically not being brought up here because yes. throughout, like, like we've mentioned before and other people have mentioned throughout Breaking Bad, there is zero mention of Kim whatsoever. And as we've seen from Sol in the previous scene, there's no reason he'd bring up Kim to, no. to anybody. Uh, I mean, Francesca would know obviously who she is and all that, but at, at that point for, for Sol, it was just, she, she was kind of just another client walking through the door sort of thing. Um, which is which is uh, how that all sort of fits in. Um, what's also interesting here is like after this scene with Kim, and you're seeing how Soul no longer Jimmy Soul now with Kim, and how that is well not connecting together because of the conversation they just had. Her coming away from that, and um, Jesse asking about like, hey, what, what, what's this guy all about? And she's like, I, you know, when I knew him, he was good. I don't I, I don't know him anymore I don't know the guy yeah. that I just had this conversation with like he's, he's a different guy and again if you look back on that breakup scene and you look at the scene we just talked about they're different I mean Jimmy and McGill so Goodman right like it's it's the it's the version yeah. she doesn't know anymore so uh yeah all this fit together really nicely um and I thought it was great what did you think yeah I, I very much agree with you the, it's this is sort of Kim realizing that she has no idea who this guy is anymore, you know, mm-hmm. um, so and man. he has he has become salt at that point. He's done. Um, he's done the podcast. 
Yes. <laughs> he's he, this is this is very much him becoming Sol. You know, we've 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 seen it. You know, we've seen it being developing, but by that point that breakup with Kim is the thing that pushes him entirely into that persona. Mm -hmm. And that's the life he's living. You know, Jimmy doesn't exist. anymore. you know, that's sort of interesting to see that. And I mean, obviously it's great to see Aaron Paul back and it's nice to have a sort of connection back to the breaking bad stuff. And the fact that, you know, that's obviously the first time that, um, Jesse's had any sort of connection at all with um, Sol, you know, was it seemingly the first connection that he's had is with Emilio going in. Presumably Sol helps Emilio out and then, you know, that's why Jesse goes to him later. So I think that's a nice bit of connective tissue that they put in. And uh, it was nice to have a scene where, like you say, you never hear Kim's name. She's never brought up. And it makes sort of sense, you know, given how things were left, that Sol would never bring up Kim because it's not... I mean, if you've ever spoken to a divorced person where the divorce hasn't ended particularly, you know, well between the pair of them um, and there's no children involved, there's most people probably don't bring up there's their ex-partners. Anymore, yeah. You know, because um, why would you? you know, mm-hmm. unless you're having a conversation with a new partner and like, oh, I was married before, but yeah, it's not something you're going to talk about probably in regular life. So, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, but I think an important point here, again, the Breaking Bad tissue, connective tissue is because Jesse's not aware of Kim and Jimmy's relationship. No. Like he, th- he thinks that she's just like she's another, just another, another client, lawyer, which yeah. Sol also thinks. But Instead of instead of Kim standing there and saying, "Hey, my name's Kim. I used to be married to this guy," that would then cause surely Jesse would then go, "Hey, we like when he goes to speak to Sol Goodman and they have all their yeah. interactions, that would cause that to happen." But it doesn't happen here. Um, the reason it doesn't happen also is because Kim kind of doesn't care to talk about him and says to to Jesse here, "Like, no, I don't know this guy anymore." Um, yeah. So they just kind of leave it at that. So I, I like the way that was done as well. Yeah. Because um, then Jesse has no reason to. Well, he also doesn't know her name, so Jesse's got no reason to go to Soul in their many conversations and say like, "Who? Hey, who was this woman, Kim?" And like bring it all up because that that yeah. never happens. So, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just trying to think about a timeline thing here. Um. So in Breaking Bad, you know, when they discuss like hey, the criminal lawyer thing, was it was it that Jesse knew? Saul Goodman first and said to Walter about bringing him in. I I can't remember which way around that was. I I I can't remember whether they were having a conversation. About, I can't remember who suggested that they needed a criminal lawyer. But um, yes, I think it was Jesse that brought him in. If I I can't remember exactly. Uh, can't remember exactly which way around it went, but um. Yeah, I, I think it was Jesse that that uh, that that was the one that suggested Sol in the right. first place. Because Walter's whole thing was being nervous about getting other people involved in the first place, because you know there could be dodgy people on that. So mm-hmm. I think that was how that worked out. Because I'm just trying to think in this in this scene, what does Jesse know about um, not Kim, but what what does Jesse know about Sol? 
but seeing as yeah. he's asking Kim about, because I'm just trying to pinpoint like for Jesse where this takes place. We know for Kim where this takes place, but I'm just thinking for Jesse if because they wouldn't. It doesn't because him saying like, oh, you know, what was what's this guy like and everything. Um, I don't think Walter would have met Walter and Sol would have met. Um, sorry, Walter and Jesse would have met Sol at this point. I don't think. So, because I do keep kind of wondering, you know, the whole post from the post breakup scene, which is where we get from basically from Jimmy to Soul, and we the everything we've had since then, minus the Gene stuff, because Gene, Gene is all post Breaking Bad. Where were Walter and um, Jesse at that point? Because that's kind of where we cross. Like th- these Soul Goodman scenes, this is where we cross over into Breaking Bad territory, isn't it? Mm. Ish, yeah. Close I mean, these are these are sort of. I mean, the events of this are are taking place. Well, I mean, um, this is um, if Emilio's alive, it's probably prior to Jesse starting. It will be prior to Jesse starting to cook with um, Walt, right? Because the Emilio thing was season one, wasn't it? The incident. Yeah, the Amelia one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, certainly, yeah. I mean, so, so so that was all season one. And then the, the um, Sol turns up, I think. Uh, in, in season two. It's, it's the episode. Yeah, it's season two. It's the episode Better Call Sol in season two. Yeah, because during our rewatch, we've we've gone over that episode. It's the Better Call Sol episode. Um, which is cool that they've done now like the reverse of each other. So Breaking Bad does a Better yes. Call Saul episode, then Better Call Saul does a Breaking Bad episode. Yeah. So uh, good stuff. Very good stuff. Uh, Gene takes the bus home. Um, so we cut back to that um, timeline. And we see uh, he kept two of the cancer guy's watches. He gets a call from Jeff, who's in jail. He calls Gene Dad <laughs> and tells yeah. him uh, he had a fender bender and got arrested because the cops... Uh, I think he committed a robbery. But Gene assures him they can't um, have any evidence because Jeff didn't steal anything from that guy because it was Gene that stole the stuff and not Jeff. I'll have you out by lunchtime, all very confidently. Uh, Then he calls Marion, um, who's uh, very upset that Jeff is in trouble with the law again. Uh, He got in trouble in Albuquerque, she says, and she's still paying off the last bail bondsman. Gene offers... um, uh, to drive, uh, so Jean offers to drive her to pick Jeff up and assures her they can um, pay straight um, cash bail here in Omaha. It's not like Ur- uh, Albuquerque at all, and then that seems to raise a red flag with Marion. And then we get into the Marion Jean scene after this. Um, this this has kind of just built up to the next scene, I suppose. Um, makes sense with the whole, you know, the way that they're talking on the phone yeah. and everything like that because they're probably being listened to and whatnot. Um, it was interesting that the way that Gene is playing this out, like he's very kind of calm and collected and like, oh, you know, have you out, have you out by lunchtime, which is, you know, midday basically and all this sort of stuff uh, and being very sort of like, you know, kind of like he's been there, done it before, all this sort of thing. Um, and Jeff is a bit more nervous. Obviously, Jeff is, you know, right to be a bit more nervous and everything. Yeah, because um, he's in jail. Yes. Right, right. So, uh, but yeah, it's in, it's just interesting here with the Gene stuff of like, like he's lit- he's got his earpiece in. No, he doesn't have his earpiece in this this scene. Actually, he picks the phone up, doesn't he? 
has his phone like waiting there he's got his drink he's sipping it he's you know he's relaxing with his life and everything um so that was again going from the dog ashes scene to this like you're really starting to see can we call it like slipping gene or something because he's got like the slipping jimmy thingy but um similar similar things of him him breaking basically yes you're starting to see soul come back right right I, i mean that that's what you're seeing with this and because the thing that got him in trouble was acting like soul he acted he, you know, he when he was talking on the phone, he was very much soul. He was very much sort of, oh, we'll have you out by lunchtime, you know. And he was acting very much like a lawyer. And the thing that threw that that threw red flags up with Mariam was him going, oh, you know, knowing quite a lot about the legal system in Albuquerque and here, and was like the difference, you know, yeah, the differences and the fact that you can pay cash bail and so all of that. Hmm. And that raises a red flag, as it would, because you're like, why would yeah, that's not this an everyday guy... thing for somebody to know? Yeah, why would this guy know that unless he'd been in trouble with the law? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a, it's it's a slip up by by Gene because he's overconfident and he's cocky and he's basically becoming salt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, no, really good scene, but it leads on to, of course, the uh, arguably bigger scene here. Uh, While Jean heads over to pick her up, Marion boots up her computer and does a little research. When Jean arrives, he finds her wearing headphones on her computer, and when he, uh, sorry, when she pulls her headphones off, because he manages the doors unlocked and that, so he gets in, he can hear his own voice coming out of them. Yes, she's watching Soul Goodman ads online. Ask Jeeves uh, told me I typed in con man in albuquerque and you popped right up big as day he tries to claim it's not him uh but when she starts to call the police he yanks the phone cord not doesn't just put the phone down and that he yanks the cord like out of the actual wall uh, menacingly around his hands very sort of hitman like if any of you played those games um you've spoken to hitman himself haven't you i so, have yes yeah. <laughs> uh, menacingly around his hands she uh holds up her life uh alert necklace and he warns her not to press it finally grabbing it from her i trusted you she tells him um and he seems to soften slightly uh dropping the life alert necklace which allows marion to um grab it and press the button there's a criminal standing in my kitchen threatening me she tells the life alert girl he's a wanted man his name is soul goodman the life alert girl says uh calling she's calling the police so the police are on the way and a panicked jean runs out the back door um, this might have, this is probably, like, whether you're talking about Jimmy, Soul, or Gene, this was the first time that Gene, or Jimmy McGill, Jimmy McGill's his actual name, ha- was, like, actually scary, I thought. Yeah. Like, with the cord in that, like, you might not have the full intention to do that, but the way the scene is building up, and you saw how things played out with the, with the cancer man thing, and the, the intent of, like, oh, I'm gonna hit this guy around the head, things were building up, and how casual he was on the phone with, with both of them, and the whole, I'll have you out by lunchtime thing, and then realising, like, oh, this woman's, like, she's found out about, um, again, like you said, going back to him, going back to Sol Goodman, she's found out about that. Um, like it's, you know, there's, there's, there's no sort of getting away from this. And just the way he ties the cord around his hands is like, oh, he might do this. Um, and we're not in 
the timeline point where we're guessing if like Nacho or somebody's going to die. Like this is Marion, this is Jean, this is post everything. Like everybody's life is sort of you know at risk. Uh, it's not one of them things where like oh you know Gus can't die because he's in Breaking Bad. We, we're not in that part anymore. Um, but yeah, this, is, this was the first time in the entire let's say all the franchise where like th- this was him being scary. I thought yeah. I mean, we have a few emails that uh, relate to that. Um, what did you think of this big scene here? Yeah, I agree with you as well. I mean, it was the f- it was the first time you looked at it, and you know, considering what he else he'd nearly done in the episode, uh, mm. sort of you know, sm- knocking the guy out, um, or about to knock the guy out with his own dead dog, and then you you've got this scene that sort of that earlier scene sort of lays the foundation for this of like how far is he going to go? Would he actually hurt this woman? Um, and he did look menacing and scary, you know, like I say, he was holding it like it was sort of, you know, he was going to strangle her and would he, would he go that far? Um, and it puts a little bit of doubt because had that not, that other scene not happened earlier, you do kind of wonder would, would this have, you know, would he have done this? Um, you know, well, you, as the audience, you'd be looking at it going, well, he's not going to, like, kill her, you know. Uh, but because of that things earlier, you kind of look at that and go, mm, I don't know, actually, maybe he would. So, um, yeah, I thought this was this was a really interesting scene. It's a great piece between the pair of them. Um, just, just really, really good. Carol, Carol Burnett's brilliant as Marion, and um, you know, uh, he's great as Salt as always. Yeah, um, the whole episode's been superb, really. Um, just, just well paced, beautifully shot. Um, it was Vince's last episode. This was, because oh. um, because Peter's doing uh, Peter Gould is doing who's the co-creator of it he's, he's doing the finale vince uh did wrote and directed this episode um and uh peter wrote and directed the finale so two very talented people still certainly. yes yeah some of literally the best in the business so yeah really, um, really but yeah it's interesting what you mentioned there because if this was Again, they're all the same man. They're just different personalities of the same man. But if you look at Jimmy McGill or Sol Goodman, they don't, they don't like, they don't wrap that cord around their wrists. No. Um, and if even if you look at like look at the expression on Gene's face and like just just the, the turn there and everything, because even when he gets in there and I uh, start speaking to Marion, like sure, there's like some frantic ish stuff going on, but he doesn't have that menace about him yeah um, i mean it, it, it's once he I, I think there's a there's a shot and there's a there's a change when he because you can see the the glare of the advert in his glasses i think it's from there and then the yank of the cord and everything that's that's the turn isn't it so yeah and and the the whole thing has been building to this because i mean jim jimmy did some shady things but you know was never not this. violent particularly yeah. or a full-blown criminal uh you know and it's the same with soul stuff it was it was pranky kind of you know things that they did yes they were illegal it's it, quite a lot of cases but it was it was never 
holding a gun to somebody or threatening them or it was never usually I, I can't think of other instances where it was that sort of thing Gene's different you know Gene from, from this you know the the out and out I'm going to rob somebody to sort of I'm going to knock somebody out and and not doing it in a well I've no other option I'm sort of panicking it's just very different you know if that had been Soul that was yeah that there's that change from sort of Soul trying to talk his way out of it to sort of Gene taking over and looking like he might become violent and and that that you don't know with with Gene how far he he's prepared to go because the you know the the sort of burglary stuff I think was more Gene than it was Soul because Soul was always very hands off. I yeah, mean, yeah. that the idea to do the sort of scamming stuff, that's all. But the actual sort of decision to go in and and rob the guy and then go and drink his drink and not care the fact that it, you're making it obvious that somebody's been there, that seemed very much more gene. And yeah, definitely. this violent side of things does as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, thrilling end to the episode, and we have one episode left. Can't believe next week that this show, this whole franchise, apparently finishes. Now, I just want to re- rewind a bit to uh, something you said at the start. Um, to me, the because I did see the same comments from I think it was Vince about like, hey, we have no like ideas at the moment. I take that as sort of, I mean, he kind of probably does want to move on, right? He's been doing this since like two thousand and eight. Uh, it's been a long time. Um, was it two thousand eight? Yeah, it was two thousand eight. Uh, I mean, that was when the MCU started. Think of all all, all that <laughs> timeline and everything. Uh, it's been it's been a long time, but I I do I want him to kind of because to to me the only show I want them to now do and you could do this as a mini series or whatever. And I think I discussed this last week. I still would like to know a bit about okay, so Kim from that breakup night to this Gene part, this flash forward stuff. I want to know a bit about what she's been up to. Um, now, if they never show me that, I won't be sort of disappointed or annoyed. That would just be that would just be like another cherry on top of a really nice or you know, already like the best cake we've had, right? Um, like that's the that's the greedy part of me that's asking for more more of the cherries on top, right? Of the of the really nice cake. Um, but I mean, it's because I'm so invested in Kim. I love Ray Seahorn's acting as well, um, and I just want I, I sort of greedily want. More of that. I don't know if that's a specifically sort of greedy thing, but I, I want more of that, and that is a slot where you could do that, because um, that kind of would tell us, okay, what was she up to during the specific events of Breaking Bad? Because we know what Soul was up to, we know what everybody else was up to, because they show it all in Breaking Bad, um, and we know who makes it and who doesn't into that timeline. So uh, we shall see. Um, but yeah, if because who who knows maybe three, five, ten years old, something down the line, they come up with another idea of, like, we want to tell this story, this character story in this section of, of something. Um, so, yeah. There was a... We do, I don't have time to go through all this today, but there was a, a funny thing that was put on Twitter of uh, a fake, like, phase for Breaking Bad thing of, like, made-up names of shows of, like, other characters and stuff. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll go through that sort of next week or in the series wrap-up, because that's sort of for that type of discussion but there was some because uh, you know how like Kevin Feige goes in in a specific way yeah, where they show like, they show yeah. one of the phases like hey November this date this date that date uh, and there were some funny names for some shows so we'll, we'll go through that at a later Brilliant. point 
um, because we have got some emails to go through still. Uh, if you would like to send in any emails, you've got two more episodes to do that for. So next week's series finale and then the series wrap up the week after that. You can send them in to matthewdentertainmenttalk.org, Twitter eTalkUK, there's a contact page and information in your show notes. There's also the email box on the website version of the episode and a clickable email name in your show notes. We've got two from Reginald and one from uh, somebody else as well who we'll get to shortly. Uh, Reginald says, so this is a bit of a follow-up from last week. Um, he also did send in an email about uh, this week's episode, so I'll just read out what he's put. Uh, For purely selfish reasons, I was relieved to see Gene be so determined to steal the identity of his Mark, uh, of his Mark who um, uh, has cancer in Breaking Bad. It's the same reason I needed to see that the scene in Fun and Games where Kim mercilessly crushes the spirit of Howard's widow, Cheryl. And then it says, uh, I want my bad guys to be bad. Don't get me wrong, it's not that I want my bad guys to have, uh, don't want my bad guys to have nuance. Lalo and Gus have so many layers to their personalities and I would definitely watch a prequel featuring either of them. I'd, I'd watch that as well. I mean, if, if any show was sort of pitched within this universe, I'm, I'm sure most of us would watch that stuff. Uh, again, I specifically would, would like a Kim show. Um, the thing is with Gus, if you're doing prequel, you probably can't have Giancarlo Esposito. Um, yes. because he's no offense to the man. He's he's brilliant. He's wonderfully talented, but he is his age isn't going to quite work with that. I think no. So yeah, but we love him. So there we go. But yeah, Lalo and Gus have so many layers to their personalities. I would definitely watch a prequel featuring either of them. Uh, if you had a prequel, it'd probably have both of them in it. I would imagine, like the Salamancas and that. So mm-hmm. plus Nacho could come back. That would be great. Um, it's just that I want the characters I've uh, turned uh, against to be thoroughly. Uh, worthy of my scorn I don't want to be conflicted in my emotions for instance because of the way uh, she has acted in the last two seasons I know exactly how I feel about Kim hopefully she'll become a better uh, person and find some solace in Florida but I've uh, emotionally moved on from her it's interesting Uh, the sympathy and affection I had for her are totally gone that's why I don't um, hurt when she left and frankly I don't need to see her again um, I think we could still do a few bits and pieces in this current timeline thing. Um, but if this is Reginald kind of saying, like, he doesn't want, I guess, my, my idea, which is, like, seeing more prequel-ish sort of stuff for her. Because um, the idea I've just talked about, I don't know if you'd call that prequel or, or where you'd put that. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of get what you mean a bit with Kim. Uh, until seeing Breaking Bad, I still had conflictions, uh, conflicting emotions towards Jimmy. Um, interesting choice of the name there. In the past, I've had some warm feelings uh, towards Jimmy. And then there's a few bullet points. At the start of the series, I felt sympathy for Jimmy because even though he truly loved his brother and took care of him, Chuck constantly looked down on him and tried to sabotage his career. Uh, that's pretty much what led to him. Uh, what One of the things that led him to becoming Soul, I suppose. Uh, later, I thought Jimmy had some uh, redemptive qualities when he... Um, Repentantly undid the rift he had caused between Irene and her friends in the episode Lantern. Which season was Lantern in? That wasn't it. I don't remember writing that title this season. That might have been from from a previous season. Uh, but now Gene is so off the rails that I it wouldn't surprise me if he hits the guy over the head and kills him. In the if the man with cancer wakes up and finds Gene in his house, well we saw the the results of that again. This was from last week's episode. Uh, after Breaking Bad, I am not rooting for Jimmy slash Gene slash Soul in any way. It's Walter White all over again. 
just want to touch on that last point first. If Jean had attacked or tried to kill Marianne, that would have been the sort of like, you've crossed the redemptive line part, which was what that scene yes. was teased of, is like, okay, Jean's got in his mind to attack this person because of what's happened, but what ultimate... It's the fight or flight thing, isn't it? Like, what ultimate... You've got an idea in your head, but what ultimate choice do you make? Do you attack the person or do you not? Um, we saw a bit of it in that scene, in the previous scene with the uh, cancer guy. But that was more... I mean, a little question about that, I suppose. Like, how hard was he intending to hit the guy? Like, he wasn't... Probably wasn't intending to kill him, but, like... If you hit someone in the head the wrong way and they land the wrong way or something, you can do more damage than you sort of intend. So there's maybe questions about that. But with the Marion stuff, you saw a lot more menace uh, as opposed to the other scene and like the whole foam wire and everything. That that was a full on sort of like I might have to kill you here type of thing, which is uh, where that's pushed forward. Um, what do we want to talk about here with Reginald's email? Um, so wait, wait, let's touch upon the last point here. Um, so how are you feeling about rooting for or against, let's say, Gene uh, or Jimmy, whatever we're going to kind of put? I it's yeah, it is difficult because he is sort of yeah, he he has started to get to a point where I mean, you know, um, the depiction of soul that we've seen, particularly in this last episode, is in not a nice one. Gene is now, you know, on the run. I mean, yeah, it's. I'm I, I'm I'm kind of conflicted because I'm not sure whether we do want to get whether I want to see him get caught or not, mm. um, or I want him to get away. I I kind of feel like, given that the whole thing really is pointing towards actions having consequences you sort of feel like he has to be caught in some way at the end Hmm. Um, it's whether they catch him alive or whether they have to take him down to do it I mean that's going to be the interesting thing but I I sort of feel like you have to catch him and he deserves to be caught at this point you know he's off Hmm. the rails he's gonna if you you know, he's been treading water for the last sort of few years, you know, five years or whatever. You, he, I think you're probably going to end with him being caught, although whether that means him getting locked up or whether that means him going down in a blaze of glory, I don't know. So we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if there's a scene somewhere in the next episode where you get a bit of a look or or, or realisation kind of thing of like, what was I going to do to Marianne? Because mm-hmm. I think for, I think from that moment onwards, like he's running out the house, you can't really see his emotions and stuff, and he's got like like once he's processed that a bit, depending on where he goes or if he gets because he could get caught straight away, he could be on the run from the police straight away. We we don't know. It's going to be interesting to see like once he's had a moment to actually think about what he's just done, is he going to have a sort of like oh god, what was I about to do kind of thing, or is he going to have a sort of like because the thing is Marianne even though he's on the run, they're going to be on their way to Marianne's and she can still say like, hey, here's this guy, he's you know, on the run now, here's his picture, you know, she's got obviously the video of him there, 
um she can say everything about him um can mention like oh he's you know he, this guy called himself gene now in, in this advert he's so goodman uh and then they probably will find out like oh he's actually called jimmy like jimmy mcgill's his actual name or used to be his name because uh, I don't imagine it would be that, that hard for them to find out about that. So, th there's a mixture of, are you going to have, again, is Gene going to have a moment of realisation of like, oh, what was I about to do? Or is it going to be like, no, I had to, I, I knew I had to do that, and how that plays out. But that's not going to be the end of that, because, again, the police are going to know who they're looking for once they see, because Marianne's kind of got a bunch of evidence there like she's got the commercial she knows about his fake name and all sort of stuff so they'll know who to look for um we'll have to see how that plays out so uh a little note i want to uh, point out from this email here um again this goes to both the show's qualities about don't get me wrong bad guys nuance lalo and gus again there's like small redemptive not i don't know if it's redemptive um you got very third dimensional characters in the show. I, I would say even beyond something like that. Like the amount, the amount of layers these different characters. Mm -hmm. Even when, because even though Lalo and Gus have got different intentions, and when it comes to Lalo versus Gus, we look at Gus as kind of the good guy, like the one that we want to root for. In that way, um, we don't really do that in Breaking Bad, but because of Lalo's intentions and everything, Lalo's looked at as the villain. Um, yeah. But that just kind of go like none of them. Because when you look at like a, uh, and this isn't a Game of Thrones criticism, but when you look at somebody like a Joff Joffrey or Ramsay Bolton, you look at like those level of characters, and although there's layers to them, you're kind of like, I just want you to die as soon as possible, right? Because of yes. how evil and how bad they are. But you look and like, there are other bits of Lalo and Gus's lives and things like that, and uh, other villains in the show as well, in both shows as well. I mean, even with Chuck, who was kind of, Chuck was sort of Jimmy's villain but even chuck had layers to him of like um you know that that type of stuff so th again the, the all these shows are so good at doing that and even the characters that we were rooting for at a certain point like walter white and with jimmy they've had moments where it's like you're really you know going into those gray areas of, of doing stuff and how that all kind of works out so mm -hmm. um again it's one of the best things about both these shows is how detailed layered and compl complex these characters are um, and that's quite a hard thing to do. So yes, yeah, yeah. good stuff. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Uh, it's a bit of a subtitle that you've given me. I think you put this in the subject box. Kim Wexler, Mary Magoldine, or Elaine uh, Benez. Do you know who other those two people are? Because I don't. No. Okay, I don't know if those are characters or actresses, or I, I'm not sure who you're relating to there but we'll keep reading uh whether they are um atheists or believers artists uh, commonly use religious um motifs sorry in their work uh, vince gilligan and his crew do this throughout waterworks when it comes to kim so this is about this week's episode contrary to what uh some say Titusville um isn't hell for kim uh but it could be purgatory in self-imposed um, exile for her transgressions, Kim is no longer in her parasitic home of the courthouse working as a lawyer. Uh, she's not in the worst place in the world, but she is sustaining in some sort of limbo in Florida. She's just going through the motions of living. I think that's you know perfectly uh, 
shown in the episode you know the kind of mm-hmm. mon- mundane life sort of thing which again is good yeah. again layers the characters which is good when she goes to confess her sins to howard's uh widow cheryl kim is uh let through massive mansion gates that some could easily compare to the pearly gates of heaven um i like what you've put there it's pretty good uh, as she sits in front of Cheryl, Kim endures what many assume Judgment Day. You're doing some very good religious references here. I, I like yeah. this. Uh, I'm not a religious person myself, but I don't mind no, you know, right. references to stuff. So it's cool. Uh, what judge, assume what Judgment Day is like. A long, um, drawn-out dissection of her past indiscretions. Because, again, you're, you, she's reading the full-on, you know, you did this to Howard, he died in this way. It's It's going through all of that. So it's good stuff. Uh, at first, when uh, she leaves Cheryl, along with Kim... Uh, unsure of her fate will she be condemned c- Condemned? will she sustain absolution fortunately we don't have to wait um, don't have too long to wait with her confession and breakdown on the bus again phenomenal scene uh, Kim displays enough uh, repents to be let um, free of the chains of guilt again that scene was like a you know a release of her emotions through everything uh, a mostly unseen individual sitting next to Kim extends some kindness while she is going through uh, her convulsions of despair yeah. the, the gentle touch on uh, Kim's arms by the angel um, of mercy clad in um, white shows that even if she has to reap what she has sown uh, Kim has been forgiven um, I'm not quite sure she has, but I, I like what you've put there. Of course, this could all be wrong. Gilligan could have... Um, so Vince Gilligan, one of the co-creators, uh, could have just seen some... Uh, could have been having some fun. Because in this episode, uh, Kim Shaw resembles Elaine from Seinfeld. I've never seen an episode from Seinfeld. But uh, <laughs> classic reviews one day. You know, it's a classic show. So certainly. I think it's all on all four on Netflix. So it's available. Uh, I think Kim, it is, yes. Yeah, Kim Shaw resembles Elaine from Seinfeld in the episode The Frogger. Again, I have no idea what happens in the episode. So, uh, in The Frogger, I oh, do explain it here, uh, Elaine is totally burned out by the incessant office parties and driven close to insanity by her co-workers inane conversations. When she was singing Happy Birthday to a receptionist along with her co-workers, Kim sure looked like a hostage victim suffering from Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, this is a really good email. I really like all the, again, I don't do like, you know, religious stuff or whatever i don't have p- problems with people doing religious things and that but the references and the way that you've put things towards emotions and characters here is is pretty brilliant so um good stuff really good stuff uh have you seen seinfeld i have um i've i've seen most of it i couldn't pinpoint a particular episode though so okay the one he's referencing is called the frogger i don't know if uh that's yeah, one that um... you remember not not that one that immediately comes to mind now. Okay. How much Seinfeld was there? Was there, like, loads of it? There's quite a lot of it, yes. Okay. Are we talking, like, full 23, episode uh, 19 sort of stuff? Yeah, I think there were seven seasons. I'd have to go and look it up. But, um, um, uh, but yes, there was uh, 180 episodes in total. There were nine seasons. You're right. Cool cool um but yeah really good breakdown here of like kim's character so one email you sent is about a bit about like gene and what's kind of going on there um so what do you kind of make of what reginald said here sort of about kim and a different sort of religious you, yeah, symbolism the, stuff I, I can see where he's going with that i i yeah there, there is a sort of 
there is a kind of confessional thing, the sort of, you know, the, the, the gates are sort of gates of heaven and, and the the hand coming in. I rather like all that. I think it's, I mean, I don't know whether that's what he was thinking, but I can see where you got that from. Definitely. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, the, the, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of interested to see, I mean, I'm sure we probably will see him again next week. I think um, so. Uh, I mean, you know, I, it's it, in what context I don't know, and it's going to be interesting to see whether they do next week's episode in black and white, or whether they they revert to color for it, or or how whether we're jumping backwards and forwards in time, or or how that's going to be strung together. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm. I'm very interested, but yes, I mean, the thing about sort of Kim being forgiven, um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think certainly that's the character we're we're supposed to have the most sympathy for out of this. I, I do, yeah. Sort of got dragged into it, and Jimmy was the one that was driving it, and she stepped away, and you know, um, sent herself to Florida in sort of purgatory although i think you know it's like just kind of living her life um not an interesting life but going through the motions of it you know Mm -hmm. yeah really good stuff here so yeah um yeah there's a couple of questions i have about the finale and stuff of like are you going to have a black and white scene with gene and maybe it's the last scene so it transitions to color you could do that um are um, I was going to say, Jimmy, is he's got too many damn names. Is Jean um, going to have another scene or conversation with Kim? If And give, given the point that they're both at, like that would be interesting. Um, yeah, there's a few possibilities. Again, I mean, see, the interesting part with guessing about the show at this point is we're not in prequel territory anymore. So mm-hmm. this is like, because we have no idea what's going to happen to these two characters, right? Um, yeah. But so that's... Uh, quite interesting so yeah um i was gonna ask you a question but i'll do that i'll do that after i uh, read this last small email here uh beth writes in and says um i found gene genuinely scary in the scene with um marianne and would have freaked out if he'd killed her i just felt scared yeah totally there with you um yeah. i don't imagine with i don't imagine with the only two um or three because um beth me and you have said kind of the same thing here um because that would have been the Breaking bad sort of gene moment, wouldn't it? Of yeah. like, you know, that that's where you, that's where you cross that line, um, is when you start attacking or killing people. So, but um, it was it was interesting to watch that character do that, like, and to suddenly be like, oh, this is this is like scary. This is sort of you know, I I don't feel because in like throughout Breaking Bad and stuff, you look kind of at a bit a bit of Jesse, a bit of Walt and Jesse at times, like when they're scrambling around or whatever. But kind of the comedy relief is supposed to be Saul Goodman. And you go from that to this and it's like, oh, this character has become scary because of yeah. what happened. So it's interesting stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, we've we've gone over some of that stuff already. Um, so last point, last question. Uh, what, how can I, I can ask this in two different ways. What do you think will happen in the finale? We've got one episode left. We know where people are at. What do you not? What do you want's gonna? What do you want to happen? What do you think is going to happen? Um, that's a very hard question. <laughs> so. 
I honestly, what I love is the fact that we're here, and I'm still not entirely sure. Um, yeah, it's good. I, you know, Kim seems to have separated herself. She, she's, you know, come clean. Um, whether we're going to see any more from that or whether that's it, I don't know. Uh, with Gene. Uh, clearly he's on the run at this point, so are we going to get sort of cop chase? And I I suspect he's going to get caught, but I don't know. Um, I, I, I have no idea where they're going to go with it and how they're going to end it. Uh, I would like to see some sort of final scene with, with the Breaking Bad boys in there, but um, we'll see whether that pops up. I'm, I mean, you know, it's a sort of bit of wishful thinking, but you never mm-hmm. know. I, I mean, we I know agree, that... but I don't know how you fit that in. But again, I don't write the show, so yeah, you know, exactly. I so I don't know. Peter's brain. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think there may be a way of doing it, but I yeah, I don't know. So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of interested. Uh, I you know, to to I, I have no idea exactly where they're going to end up, um, mm-hmm. and I rather love that. Yeah give them one episode from the end uh so in terms of what i think will happen i think kim will be okay that's probably dangerous thinking um again since like ever since that episode where uh, lalo came in and kind of threatened them both a bit and she kind of went off on her monologue about the, the i think it was the plan that, that lalo wanted explaining and it was like say it again say it again ever since that episode um and he's kind of gone away and stuff. I've thought that she was safe since then, which is mm-hmm. interesting because there was another Lalo scene later, but that wasn't that wasn't quite the same thing. Again, that was sort of like kill Howard, get him out of the way, and then try and get these two to do something for you. Yeah. So, and she's nowhere near the same that same situation. So again, things could happen to her. I think Kim will be okay. I really hope that she is. Um, I I can't quite see Jean having nothing happen to him. Um, no. I think either he'll die or he'll get arrested in some yes. way. Because um, I can't see a, a high-stakes situation like this in a show like this where there's stakes and consequences where he just... I can't ima- I can't really imagine... Again, they could they could do it and do it in a way that I'm like, oh yeah, it makes sense. Because again, I don't have Vince or Peter's brain or any of these writers' brains. But... I can't really see a scenario where he just kind of, not simply runs away, but, uh, you know, like at the end of, um, what was it called, El Camino, like a, a scene like, I can't imagine a scene like that with Gene. Maybe not quite so happy as what that was. Again, I don't want to spoil that too much because that's a bit yeah. sort of different era. I can't really see that sort of happening with Gene. Um, I can't see anything sort of calm or simple happening there. Um, so I think something will happen to him, but I think Kim will be okay uh which i've been predicting for a bit and i've luckily got that right so we shall see yeah um so there we go anyway we've gone on a bit here thank you thank you very much for listening um we'll have the series finale podcast next week and then the series wrap up so again two more chances to write in please feel free to do so 
uh, for your last couple of chances. Thanks to everybody who has written in, and thanks to everybody who has listened. Uh, so again, thanks very much for that. In the meantime, you can find everything else that we're doing on entertainmenttalk.org, TV, games, films, May Night podcast. Look out for all of that that we've done. If you like to support what we're doing on Entertainment Talk, uh, you can either simply listen to more episodes on entertainmenttalk.org and podcast platforms. You can also tell other people simply by just saying, hey, there's this thing, Entertainment Talk. They cover this, that, and whatever else. And just tell people or share the episodes around on social media in whichever way you want to do that. Uh, there's lots of different social media platforms, so please do that as well if you'd like to. You can also support us through Patreon, which is the $5, $10 level tier for the ad-free podcast review options. Have a look at that as well if you'd like to. Um, so that's for that stuff, how you can support entertainment talk. Uh, of course, TV and film news, which is always useful. Uh, renewals, cancellations, pickups, all that sort of thing. Uh, trailers, air dates is over on geektown.co.uk. That's run by David, who is here with me now. Uh, David, what's going on with Geektown at the moment? Uh, quite a lot of air dates and uh, renewals mm. and bits and pieces gone up today. So uh, there's there's lots of stuff coming to uh, Sky and some stuff renewed on ITV. So uh, you can go and check out that on the website at geektown.co.uk as well as some bits of casting news. Um, Geektown Radio, which goes out weekly, which Matt was on this week. We're up to episode 351 on that um that is our, our weekly show of tv news and you know us chatting about like various different things relating to tv uh we did a big talk this week about the uh warner brothers and dc stuff so we we're talking about that and there's a review of atlanta and the sandman and the brea as well on this week's episode so go and check that out that's on uh, geek town radio and that's wherever you get your podcast and of course you can get it on geektown.co.uk as well excellent uh yeah i also talked about love victor on the episode and yes. just just to connect that to something else later something unrelated to geek town but something i'm doing later uh look out i think next friday is the next friday is the 19th look out for a, a podcast i'll be doing on that date i'm gonna probably hopefully record it before that date but that's when it's going to be put out so look out for that that's related to love victor and things that have happened with that so look out for that as well later but yeah geektown.co.uk geektown radio uh get yourself informed with some good tv and film news all that good stuff so check out that because i find bex as well she's streaming uh pretty much daily very regularly over on twitch trista b-y-t-e-s is what you search for to find her on twitch of course on twitter and instagram as well she's doing classic games retro streams tomb raider chat streams all that type of good stuff go and give her a follow over on twitch and see what she's up to because i follow me on twitch as well when you talk uk and once i plug my playstation 5 back in i can actually stream some stuff uh my, my playstation 5 is downstairs right now because there's nowhere else to put it and i didn't want to damage it so uh once my room's all sorted and my life's a bit more back to normal um i'll try and stream some moss too so look out for that at some point in the future at uh, some point in the next, I don't know, a couple of days, whenever that's going to be. Uh, but Twitch Talk UK for me, uh, and if you also want to find those streams archived, the FIFA Chrome Mode episodes and the game clips, you can find those all archived on YouTube, which is Entertainment Talk Plays on YouTube. Cheers for listening, and finale next week. See you then. Goodbye. Bye.